Our Bible reading is from the first letter of John, chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. It can be found on page 1227 in the Church Bibles. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect fear, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Is it working? Yes, good, lovely, good, thank you, thank you. Well, good morning church, it's lovely to be here. So I'm Debs and I'm on the leadership team here at St Jude's and I'm really excited to be talking to you this morning about sharing God's love. So this is the third in the series as we think about the new vision for St Jude's. The vision 
into which we've all been invited to pray and to contribute over the last few months. And then some very wise people have brought it all together and they've got us now the vision of growing faith, offering hope and sharing God's love. Is it not working? This one? Yeah, okay, that's fine. I'll just have to stay here, but that's fine. So, if you haven't managed to listen to the previous two sermons about this, when Adam spoke on growing faith and Neil spoke on offering hope, I would suggest that if you can, go back and have a look at YouTube and listen to those sermons, because they're really, well, they're really useful. They're, they're good. They're quite good at preaching, these guys. But this morning, I get to talk about love, which is really good, sharing God's love. So, if you could keep the Bible open um, because I'm just going to refer to it a few times it's page 1227 so if you just have that um, in front of you so if you've been a Christian for any length of time then you will know that we talk about God's love a lot we talk we we talk about God loving us and we sing about it and we read about it But I wonder, do you really know that he loves you? Does it make any difference in your life? Do you live in that love and the confidence that it brings you? So in this passage that we've just heard read, we hear of God's amazing love for us. In verse 7, we read that love comes from God. In verse 8, we are told that God is love. In verse 9, that God showed his love by sending his son Jesus. And then verse 10, we're told that God loved us first. This is love, John writes. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find that hugeness, the immensity that unconditionalness, and I don't think that's a real word, but that enormous love of God sometimes is just too hard to understand or to fully take in. Now, I love my parents, and I was very fortunate to have a happy childhood, but I always felt that my dad's love was conditional for me. I felt that it depended on how well I behaved or how well I achieved at school. Now, that may not have been the truth, but that was my perception as I grew up. And so as a parent myself, I always have tried, and still do, try to show my children unconditional love. I try to find that balance between wanting them to achieve well, but also knowing that I love them, whatever the result. And if you're a parent, I expect you can relate to that. But my love for our children is tiny in comparison to how much God loves each one of us. God's love is expressed in action, in passionate action. He sent his son to live among us, to show us who he was, and then to die for us in his place as that perfect sacrifice in order to allow us a way back into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And now, Jesus still lives among us through his resurrection. And we've been given the Holy Spirit as a gift, as a witness to that incredible love. So we're not on our own. And we don't have to be perfect in order to receive that love. Despite all our faults and failures, God loves us. 
His love does not depend on our initiative, on our reaching out to him. We don't have to achieve some high, high standard in order to receive that love. And there is nothing that is so broken or that is so bad that will stop God loving you. He embraces each one of us as we are his children. And he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us to change us, to make us clean and whole and new. So knowing that love, receiving that love, being surrounded by that love, who could be afraid for any length of time of anything that the world can throw at us? So let's walk in the confidence of God's love for us. And then we come to verse 11. So knowing this immense love, what should our response be? Verse 11 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And I think that's one of the ways in which we know whether or not God's love is real in us. Because these next few verses show us how we will act if we know God's love in us. So if you look again at the passage, verse 12 says, If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Verse 15, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Verse 16, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Verse 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. And verse 21, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And that's obviously not just your siblings. It actually means brothers and sisters as in the family of God. So how we treat others matters because it shows what's in our hearts. We need to be people who don't just keep God's love to ourselves, but actually we need to be people who share that love. And we invite other people to know that love for themselves. In John's Gospel, we read how Jesus gave us that command to love one another as I have loved you. So what sort of love should we be sharing? Should it be a love that accepts everything and anything should we allow people to take advantage of us because they know that we're called to love them should we allow others to hurt us again and again because they know that we're called to forgive because of God's love or maybe we're only called to love those who are like us or who believe the same things as us or even we're just called to love those people who actually we like I don't think it is like that. I think sometimes it is really tough to love people like God loves people. So there are two things that I want to think about as we talk about sharing God's love this morning. I want to think about boundaries, and then I want to think about how we share that love. So first of all, boundaries. Remember that we are loved despite our not measuring up to any sort of standard. We are loved before we are made clean and whole and new. And so if we are to love others like Jesus loves us, then we have to love everyone before they are made clean and whole and new, whatever the consequences. 
but it's not a wishy-washy kind of love. It's not a like fuzzy, warm, peace on earth, regardless of anything else sort of love. Love doesn't always necessarily equal tolerance because it's a love that is God's way. And God's love is tough, even though it's unconditional. So sometimes we do have to put boundaries in place. Boundaries about what is acceptable and what isn't because there are consequences. And so sometimes there will be hard discussions that have to be had. So if there's someone who continually hurts you, whether through words or deeds, then yes, you have to forgive them or you're called to forgive them with Jesus' help. But you don't have to keep putting yourself in the place where they can continually hurt you. Because we're not doormats. If we look at Jesus, he was gentle, yes. But was he a pushover? No way. He knew the boundaries and he knew the consequences of crossing them. It's tough love. Some years ago, I attended a parenting course for teenagers. And one of the things that I learned was um, about how there have to be consequences to a person's actions. Because without those consequences, the teenager isn't going to learn. And I remember one of the other parents, she told us about her 13-year-old daughter got to school one morning and phoned her up and said, Mum, my lunch is on the kitchen table. Now, I wonder what your response would have been. My response would have been, oh, gosh, darling, that's so sad. That's awful. Let me just leap in the car and drive up to school and I'll drop your lunch off at reception. But Jackie didn't say that. She just responded to her daughter, yes, I know. And the thing was, obviously, her daughter survived because her friends shared their lunch with her. But, as a consequence, she never forgot her lunch again. Now, I know that's a really silly example of consequences of getting something wrong, but I'm always impressed by Jackie's response because by being tough and not caving in, her daughter learned something. She had to take responsibility for her own actions. And God's love is tough on us sometimes because we're a bit like unruly teenagers thinking that we know best. When David sinned with Bathsheba and then had her husband killed in battle, there were consequences because their baby died. When Sodom and Gomorrah insisted on following their own ways of lust and immorality, God didn't lessen his holiness in order to win them over. There were consequences. The cities were destroyed. When Ananias and Sapphira lied about the amount of money that they'd made on the sale of their property, there were consequences. They were struck dead. So because God loves us so much, his love is tough. He has a plan for our lives because, after all, he created us and he knows what is best. So he puts boundaries in place and there are consequences for stepping over those boundaries. So there are consequences for us, but equally there are consequences for those around us. And as we seek to share God's love, we're not weak and there to be walked over, but we know that God's love is the best and we know that his way is the best. But we must always, always remember that we too are broken. Romans tells us that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And it is only through the grace of Jesus that we are redeemed and justified. So we may not always agree with how people choose to live their lives. But 
we can open discussions, not arguments, because respect for others who, whose beliefs are different to ours is vitally important. Remember, we are loved by God before we are whole and clean and made perfect. So we need to love others before they are whole and clean and made perfect. So loving others means remembering that we are all made in the image of God. Loving others means wanting the best for them. Loving others means affirming their humanity and accepting them as equals as we serve them with grace and genuine concern. So, how do we share God's love in the community? And I think the first place, as always, is to start with Jesus. We ask him, and then we ask the Holy Spirit to show us opportunities, openings for conversations and for actions. If we want to make Jesus the heart of South Sea, we need to be there too. If you have a job, you may well have colleagues who don't yet know how much they are loved by Jesus. If you're part of a club or a sports team, are the people there who might not yet know him? Or if you spend hours each week up at the school gates and the play, in the playground, who are the other parents that might need to know about the immensity of God's love for them? Or what about your neighbours? How could you share God's love with them? Now, as many of you know, earlier this year, I was appointed chaplain at Portsmouth Women Football Club. And I'm there to offer pastoral and spiritual support to anyone in the club. So that's whether those are the players or the coaching staff or the board members or the stewards or the people who look after the ground or the fans. It's anyone there, whether they have a faith or they have no faith. And I just love it. It's so exciting because I'm there as a Christian, so I don't even have to tell them that. They know that. But I'm there representing Jesus in this place. I'm his hands and his feet. And I'm there to walk alongside each and every one of them. So I've had conversations about mental health. I've talked to one of the players about bereavement, or listened to her, really. I've talked to, listened to people. I don't do that much talking. I do all the listening. So I've listened to some of the players talking about the fear of losing their place in the team because of injury. I've listened to players who have talked about the fear of being judged the whole time. Are they good enough to get a place in the team? I've also been invited into conversations where um, a level of mediation has been needed because there's been misunderstanding between people. So as I build relationships, there are opportunities to offer to pray, to declare God's love. So I talk about my life and my faith just as part of who I am. And I show them that I'm just an ordinary person who loves football with a passion, who has a family and is involved in all that that entails, who is competitive, but I'm just an ordinary person, but I'm an ordinary person who loves Jesus with a passion too. And so I'm at the club because I know how much God loves me and I know how much God loves them. And I want to show them that love. So sharing God's love or witness, think about your own faith. Do you really know that you are loved unconditionally? And then what does that mean to you? Last year we spent some time thinking about our hundred word story. What it means, what life was like before we knew Jesus, how we changed and the difference that it's made. So maybe it's worth revisiting that hundred word story so that it's in your mind 
so that when there are opportunities, you can talk about it. So pray for those opportunities. So last week, one of the introductions to my daily Bible reading talked about relational evangelism. I don't really like that, that term, but I liked what it said. So if you, I've just got this here, so if I'd like to just read this to you. This style of evangelism places building a relationship with the individual over communicating why they are wrong or what they should believe. It is with the firm conviction by faith that building a relationship with someone and genuinely caring for getting to know them will always soften a person's heart and lead to the opportunity to have deeper conversations and eventually spiritual ones. And it can be summed up in the statement, what's more important than outreach is relationship before revelation. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Did you know that in a survey of 8,000 church attenders, the American Institute of Church Growth found that 75 to 90% of people who attend church for the first time do so because of the influence of a friend or a relative? That's us. We're all friends and relatives of people. We can invite people. And then it said, even Jesus took time to build relationships with those who needed to be restored to God. All through the Gospels, Jesus takes time to build relationship with sinners knowing that through a physical relationship with him, they would come to repentance and faith. Jesus didn't withdraw from a world damaged by sin, but rather he willingly stepped into it. And then it concludes, let's follow the example of Jesus and seek to build genuine relationships with those in our world who are yet to know the love of Christ, sorry, the love of God revealed in the person of Christ. Now, Adam's already told us and reminded us, and I'm sure we all know anyway, but next weekend is our church weekend. And as part of that, on the Saturday, we've got this event of, of reaching out into the community with this free event of cream teas and a bouncy castle and face painting. So maybe you haven't yet signed up to help. Perhaps that's something you could do. Have you invited your friends and your neighbours to come along? Because maybe you could do that. Or maybe you're just going to come along and support and talk to the visitors who hopefully will be flooding into the church garden to eat all the lovely scones. So, But we need to get to know people. We need to love our neighbours. If we love our community, because God loves our community, we need to find ways of showing it. And next week is a great opportunity. But actually every day, is a great opportunity. We have been given so much. So let's share it with those around us. Let's step out in boldness and be ready to answer everyone who asks with gentleness and respect. And let's actively seek those opportunities to build relationships and to invite people to get to know Jesus for themselves so that we and they can experience life in all its fullness. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your unconditional love which you shower upon us. Thank you that through the death and resurrection of your Son, we are restored to a living relationship with you. Help us to walk confidently in that love and to share that love with those around us who don't yet know you. Give us the boldness to live that abundant life to which you call us. And in doing so, bring others into that life. Amen. 
So we've come to our final song now. We're going to sing about God's faithfulness now. So if you'd like to stand and the band will lead us. Thank you.